This is Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. And now here's your host, Steve Teal. All right. Welcome to Very Bold Radio and Podcast. It's always great to be back at Radio Land here, KSLR AM 630. And today, in just a few minutes, I'm going to start our broadcast with a Simple Man Bible study. We are looking through the eyes and lens of Simon Peter, the rock, and so we call this Rock the World. And today, I want to take a little bit different look at how Jesus dealt with different kinds of conflict It's not what you might be thinking, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But I want to say real quick to our listeners on KSLR and to also our Facebook Live audience, I want to say thank you for supporting our ministry. This is 2020, and I'm as excited and thrilled as ever to be doing Very Bold Radio and Podcast, also the Peanut Butter Bowl, also working with hockey players here in San Antonio and the NHL, also working with coaches, uh, high school coaches uh, around the place. And, of course, in addition, that is very bold ministry in the books that we write. Oh, I do want to say something about a book that we've written. In addition to that, I'm youth pastor at River City, New Braunfels, the best church uh, I've ever been around, and the best youth group. They're amazing. So I do want to say also just that your partnership with this ministry makes this go, all the exciting interviews that inspire and encourage you. Uh, The teaching that we bring is all because of you. So I do give a big thanks to our people that have been with us for a long time. And I also want to welcome Robert and Lori, who have just begun to uh, give a recurring gift to make this happen. I am so grateful, and I just want to say thank you. And it would be amazing in 2020 if every week I was able to introduce a new partner with the team. Now, I want you to know, of course, I'm not going to tell you what people give to the ministry but it could be a very what you might consider small gift. Sometimes it's like, oh, man, I can't give $100 a month. Well, you don't have to. You can give $5 a month. If you'll do that as a recurring gift, it is going to help us to continue to do this ministry and really bless people. So you can go to verybold.com. You can set up on PayPal your recurring gift. If you will do that today and if you're like, oh, $5, I can give 10 great. Whatever, whatever God leads you to do is what we want you to do. It's going to be a blessing to us and what we're trying to accomplish, not just the radio show, but feeding hungry kids and uh, blessing people just in our many different facets. I do want to tell you, and this does tie in a little bit, uh, ties in a lot with what we're going to be talking about on the Simple Man Bible Study podcast today is Jesus and we're going to be talking about demons. This is a book that I wrote. Now, it's been a few years. Joe Angel, The Guardian Games, book one. I think we published this in 2013. Um, I'm not a big brag guy, but I'm, I'm pretty proud of this book. And I want to tell you today, if you set up your recurring gift, I will be honored and blessed to send you this book, Joe Angel, The Guardian Games. It is a fiction uh, book, in case you can't tell by the baseball bat and the sword, but it does deal with angels and demons, and we even put them in the Alamo Dome battling each other. And uh, anyway, it is it is about the spiritual warfare that goes on. If you are like, I know some of my guys are like, man, I, are there a lot of pictures in this book? No, there's not a lot of pictures, sorry. Uh, but if you are a guy who likes a hat and you would like one of our very bold hats, 
This is by Martinez Embroidery doing a great job for us. Uh, if you would like to uh, join our ministry, be a part of this recurring gift, I'll send you a hat if you don't read books. That's fine. But uh, this is a good book. I'm not going to lie. It's a great hat, too. So anyway, thank you for listening on KSLR, Facebook Live, and, of course, the podcast. Um, really appreciate that as well, too. So let's get started with the Simple Man question of the day. I am Steve Teal, and I am the Simple Man. So I want to ask you, how do you feel about a good fight? Now, it seems like, you know, pretty spiritual show, Christian show, so you're probably thinking he's going to go real spiritual right away and talk about the good fight that Paul talks about to his protege, Timothy. Well, I'm not going to quite go there. For right now, I'm talking about a good fight. I'm talking about Buster Douglas, 42 to 1 odds, beating the champ, Iron Mike Tyson. Oh, man, last year, my birthday, my youth group. Uh, Desiree Fussell, her husband Josh, gave me commemorative autographed boxing shorts from Buster Douglas. And this year, our youth group, our youth ministry team just blessed us with uh, just love and gifts, and my church staff team was amazing. Anyway, back to the fight. Uh, Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson. I'm also talking about Rocky Balboa beating Clubber Lang, a.k.a. Mr. T. Talking about the karate kid going all crane kick on Johnny Oh, I, I can hear you. Now, we're not going to forget Paul and Timothy, and you're going to say, man, this guy is telegraphing. If he's talking about a fight, it's 2020, it's the new year, he's going to talk about David and Goliath. But no, we're not going there. Great story. Love that story, but we're not going there. So let me remind you, we do get to do amazing interviews here on Very Bold Radio and Podcast, but every once in a while... I do share and teach some insights for the Simple Man Bible Study, and that's the series we're doing. It seems to play out about once every six weeks because I love these interviews, but this series is called Rock the World. And so we are looking at Jesus' life, often imagining what it might have felt like to be Simon Peter, to have his eyes, the disciple known as the rock, hence the Rock the World. I'm so very clever. As Peter watches Jesus pull off miracles time and time again, performing signs and wonders, just imagine observing closely as the teacher deals with conflicts with authorities, with critics, haters, and would-be killers. With sometimes, yes, Jesus gives some pretty intense, biting, exciting words to those critics. Sometimes we need to take off the kumbaya glasses and if we're just being honest, Jesus brings some very strong words. I mean, we are reading the same Bible, right? But all that is just a tease for upcoming Simple Man Bible study. Today, Simon Peter the Rock, he also observes Jesus' kind, loving, gracious, freeing, life-giving, empowering displays with outcast, the low lowlifes, the average, the ordinary, the common, the prostitutes, the sinners, and not just down and outers, but some up and inners too, for sure. But as we watch today, we see something else. The Rock, Simon Peter, and the other apostles are seeing not just Jesus' interactions with the religious leaders of the day, with humans, but Jesus' encounters with supernatural opposition. And yes, I now remind you what Paul wrote, that we are in a fight, that we are in a wrestling match but not against your father-in-law who shows you no respect, maybe. Not your boss who maybe belittles you or gives you no credit. Or your ex who makes your life brutal. Or the mean girl who makes your life just miserable. 
No, the apostle Paul got it right. Can you imagine that? He got it right. There is supernatural opposition, and this ain't no walk in the park. Paul refers to the devil as the one who is like a lion, who's on the prowl, just looking for someone to devour. The devil, also referred to as Satan, meaning the accuser. He is the accuser. That's his currency, accusations. You know that, though, right? He's accusing you. You're not good enough. You can't do it. You're not loved. You're unlovable. You'll be alone forever. Nobody even cares. Or you blew it this time. You're beyond forgiveness now. Now is the point of no return. Satan, the accuser, accusations just slinging them at you. He offers his opinion, but when we are seeing clearly, we see through his clever-sounding arguments, and we just say, you are a liar. There are also accusations not just against you, accusations to you about someone else. What am I saying now? Great question. Accusing someone else to you, Satan, he is a gossip spreading lies, not truth. You're ahead of me on this, right? Satan, the accuser, brings accusations to you about God. And so we hear things like this. God doesn't really want you to be happy. That's why God tells you all these rules. God is boring. God is a killjoy. It's like Satan kind of makes God out to be sometimes that Debbie Downer, wah-wah, right? And if that doesn't play to your weaknesses, Satan will try another angle. Go ahead and live it up. So you're committing adultery. Hey, Jesus always forgives you. So you're not very passionate for Jesus. All that matters, Satan wants to accuse about God, is that you gave your life to Christ. You're good. You've got the insurance plan, so just do whatever you want to do. Y'all understand I'm a simple man. Here, when we refer to the devil, we are talking also about his message that is pervasive to our fallen soul. There is one devil, and he is powerful, but he can only be at one place at one time. He's not omnipresent. He's not more than one place. He's a single creature. However, his message is found in a lot of places, including in our broken souls. In the insecurities of our hearts, his message finds its way and implants and embeds itself and becomes destructive to us. That is why the Apostle right, the Apostle Paul got it right. Put on the full armor of God, the whole ensemble, the whole uniform, the gear, the belt, the shoes, the helmet, the shield, all of it, because the accuser's lies are coming your way like fiery darts. Block them with the shield and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of the Lord. The accuser, trying to break down your faith, destroy your hope, crush your joy, and divert your attention away from the one true God. Satan is clever, and he's not alone. So, what do you feel about demons? I feel like this is interesting territory because I have plenty of friends who acknowledge, yes, there are demons. But I have other friends who, while they may acknowledge there is a devil and there are angels, might be very suspicious of the possibility of demons. It intrigues me because it seems like we do acknowledge angels, those heavenly messengers and guardians, but don't want to think about the dark side. So what do we say whenever I do the Simple Man Bible Study? I am a simple man. You may be a youth, 
a dude, a sister, a retiree, and you might be quite complex, but I am a simple man, probably too simple for most. That's okay. But for me, I do find the Bible reliable, and the testimony rings true and legitimate. So in this case, I go to the stories of Jesus interacting with those fallen spirits, those demons. I get it. Some don't want to go in that direction. Sometimes it is hard for the American brain to get a hold of the supernatural world, but it's there. So you may say, or you may even think, well, Jesus, bless his heart, he wasn't dealing with demons. He was just you know, a little confused about what he was dealing with, that he was dealing with schizophrenia and mental disorders that we identify today. But I'm a simple man. If you look at the word of God, it's pretty clear what Jesus is dealing with are spiritual forces, not mental illnesses. Now, I'm not an expert. I'm a simple man, but I'm going to look at Jesus' interactions with these supernatural forces opposing him and see what we've got. Now, Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, 21 to 28, certainly appears to be an early event in Jesus' ministry. So we're going to come back to Mark 1, 21 to 28. So hold on. I want to set it up by some recognition that this is early in Jesus' ministry. It seems to me at this point that the 12 apostles did not have a solid, repeatable understanding of Jesus as Messiah or Son of God at this point. Early on in their encounters with Jesus, they had hopes and moments and bursts of who is this? Yes. And the promise that Jesus could be Messiah or just something other, something else. You've got Simon Peter after that miraculous catch of fish rather early on and before Jesus calls him, falling on his knees before Jesus and saying, away from me, depart from me, I'm full of sin. He's recognizing that there's more to Jesus, that there is a separation, a difference. That was a powerful recognition of a divine moment. But as we will eventually get to the point where Jesus, much later in his ministry, asked the 12 apostles, the closest crew of disciples at Caesarea Philippi, who do people say I am? And then turns it to them and say, but you, who do you say I am? And you remember, Simon says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And I'm paraphrasing Jesus' response as recorded by Matthew's gospel, but it seems fairly epic and emphatic as a defining moment in their discipleship when he says, blessed are you, Simon. This wasn't a human answer, but God revealed this to you. Now, granted, Mark or Luke's perspective does not shine that same bright light in the same way, but one should still get the sense that this is a defining moment for the disciples. However, those early bursts of belief and recognition beforehand, perhaps not as grounded as after spending a few years at the feet of Jesus, are still present enough that we cannot ignore them. When we glance at the Gospel of John, we experience Nathanael blown away by Jesus' knowledge and understanding of who Nathanael is, that Jesus had glimpsed him under the fig tree and says that Nathanael is a true Israelite without deceit, without guile, right? Saying, literally, you're all Israel and no Jacob. Nathanael's response is, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. 
Now, this is quite an early statement. This is at an introduction, an early statement of belief. But one wonders why, when Jesus posed that defining moment question at Caesarea Philippi, why Nathaniel didn't find himself saying, well, like I said before, to answer your question, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. There was something, I believe, that wasn't firm in that initial outburst of belief in faith. It was early. He had yet to experience daily the power and ministry of Jesus. And then, of course, listen to John the Baptist's first testimony. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John would go on to say, right then, early, he ranks ahead of me because he was before me. And the Holy Spirit remains on him. And I use water to immerse you, but he uses the Holy Spirit to immerse you. This is early and clear belief, though we will see that even John the Baptist will face doubts and questions and struggles. Even with his understanding of the Messiah, when John's circumstances turn horribly wrong, his faith, John the Baptist, will be refined and redefined. His expectations of Messiah will have to be altered. Perhaps you too have learned in challenging circumstances that our expectations of Messiah also still need to be altered, adjusted, refined, and redefined. But when hard times fall on John the Baptist and he's thrown into, the pri- into prison and he's not seeing the results of Jesus' ministry that he imagined, that he envisioned, that he expected, doubts arise. Questions surface. He wonders and his mind wanders. So John the Baptist from prison sends some of his followers, his disciples, to Jesus to say, are you the one who was coming or not? Are you the one? We see that even in his doubts and sincere questions, and yes, even personal struggle, that John, the baptizer of water, still knows where to go for his answers, where to go for clarification, the same place where we should take our doubts and questions and struggles. Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Ask him, are you the one? Are you really the one? Did I miss something? Jesus, are you the one? Now, if I had been Jesus and John the Baptist would have showed up, or his disciples would have showed up asking these questions, representing John the Baptist, I would have been tempted just to say, yeah, tell him, yeah, I'm the guy. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Alpha and the, the Omega. Send them on their way. Just say yes. But Jesus is compassionate to deal with your struggles and your questions, your foggy understanding, your doubts. And so to John the Baptist's disciples, Jesus gives a thoughtful answer. If Jesus gave a thoughtful answer to John the Baptist with his Hall of Fame faith, rather than a short, cold reply of just yes, I think Jesus will, maybe most of the time, deal with your doubts in a thoughtful way. At least show up to him then with questions and doubts. You can't go wrong there. Now, Jesus says to them, to John the Baptist's disciples, take a look around you. Go ahead, take it in. What do you see? The blind received their sight. I imagine Jesus saying, hey, meet Jonah. Jonah, come over here. He was blind, and now he's looking you right in the eye. Elizabeth, come over here. She was paralyzed, and now look, she's spinning around with joy. Go ahead, Elizabeth, tell them what it feels like to be paralyzed and then to be healed. Oh, and the dead are alive, and the poor hear the good news. So you tell me, Jesus would say, am I the one or not? 
All that to say John the Baptist had his doubts. And by implication, Nathaniel clearly had some things to work through in his understanding. We had Simon Peter later being blessed by Jesus for his answer. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. But immediately in that context, that same guy is then trying to rebuke Jesus, telling him, Jesus, you cannot suffer and die. So Simon Peter, who was just blessed by God, is told, get behind me, Satan. You're way off base. You don't have in mind what God has in mind. So clearly Simon Peter had some misconceptions about Jesus, Messiah. Simon Peter had misunderstanding about the role of Messiah. Do you know who showed no doubts about Jesus? And early on, too. And and I know the Sunday school answer, well, Jesus himself or God the Father. Those are great Sunday school answers, but that's not what I'm talking about here. My answer here for today's Rock the World is who had little, zero, no doubt about who Jesus was? The demons. Those unclean, impure spirits, they had a firm grasp, a firm hold. They had an understanding, and there seems no evidence of their confusion or need for clarity about who Jesus is. So as promised, let's just look at Mark chapter 1, 21 to 28. There are several examples, and we'll just take a few minutes and look at a couple of them. It says, as they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and was teaching. And those people, they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What do you have to do with us, interesting, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. This is extremely early in Jesus' ministry. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, And come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. These are people that have not yet believed, they're just watching and observing, and they're recognizing he is casting out demons. And to finish up verse 28, and at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. So the demonic, the evil spirits had no question about Jesus' identity. They knew who he was, the Holy One of God. And they may have been uncertain about the timing of their demise, but they were certain of the power of Jesus of Nazareth to destroy them as the Holy One of God. I don't want you to mistakenly think that this is an isolated case, too. Go to Luke 4, 41, where it talks about many people who had demons coming out of them and shouting, you are the son of God. The demons, they were very clear. They knew who he was. But let's look to another story. Mark chapter 5, Jesus steps out of a boat, I'll paraphrase, and is met immediately by a man with an unclean spirit. Now, Matthew, in his account, clarifies that there were two men, though obviously Mark chose to focus on this one man. Matthew, in case you were wondering, calls them demon-possessed. 
And those demons called out, cried out through the men, What do you have to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? End quote. Which is, again, insightful. They recognize without any doubt that Jesus is the Son of God. And they understand that their time is coming to a close, though they seem to believe that time is not yet upon them. We do see the authority and power of Jesus over the supernatural opposition. Now, this is interesting. I'm talking about a fight. And Buster Douglas and Iron Mike, they are punching and trading blows. But when Jesus is in conflict with these demons, with the supernatural, it's not much of a fight at all. Jesus just says the word and it happens. He is that powerful. That's a fight I can get behind. I love that. We see that he is always in control, though the tension and conflict is high. He never seems phased or afraid, but always in command and in control. By a word, he will tell the demons what to do, and they must obey. They're terrified of him. They shake. In this case, the demons beg Jesus to send them into a herd of nearby pigs. Oh, Luke, by the way, in his chapter 8, also focuses on that one demon-possessed man and adds the point that the demons begged Jesus not to send them into the abyss, which, as my ESV study Bible points out, is the final destination of Satan and his angels, Matthew twenty-five forty-one, Revelation 23. Demons, no. I want to warn our KSLR radio listeners, thank you for tuning in. We're going to go off the air in just a minute. You can listen to this entire teaching, Simple Man Bible Study, by going to the podcast. Search Very Bold Radio and Podcast. Search Steve Teal. It should come up. Go to the Facebook Live of Very Bold, and you can catch the rest as well. So God bless you, radio listeners. Appreciate you all. Remember, VeryBold.com. You can set up your recurring gift, and I'll make sure you get all of our teaching. So be very bold. So back to our story, Facebook Live and podcast listeners, demons, no, no doubts, no questions. There is fear of Jesus' power. James' epistle, what does he write? The demons believe, but they shudder. It certainly is in this story a mystery to me as to why Jesus seems to go along with the demons' request to cast them into a herd of pigs. But... I can guarantee you this. If Jesus does it, it's because it serves his purpose, not theirs. Jesus will not be manipulated, not be played, not be trifled with by demonic forces, or you or me for that matter. The results of Jesus sending the demons who identify themselves as legion, for they were many, into the herd of pigs is on the surface. The pigs drown, and the herdsmen of the pigs are mad. They're about to be unemployed. What just happened here? It just must be mind-blowing. But all involved recognize Jesus of Nazareth has a power. And all see the evidence of what I imagine because of our three different accounts is especially this one man who is clothed again, sitting in peace at the feet of Jesus and in his right mind. Do those people that are gathering around, those herdsmen, do they congratulate the man? They've seen him. He's been a terror. Do they welcome him back from his torment? Do they hug him? Do they shake his hand? Do they rejoice? Do they thank Jesus because he had brought healing and wholeness? 
to this man? Well, you know the answer, don't you? None of the above. They are afraid. You know, sometimes when you see the power of Jesus, when Jesus shows up, sometimes it's scary. And you've got the opportunity to respond one of two ways. To see and have a divine encounter with Jesus can draw you closer or it can repel you and lead you away from him. What are you going to do? We ask Jesus to show up and to show off. When he does that, are you ready for what he does? Now, Jesus commands the demons. They submit. They do whatever he tells them to do. They have no questions or doubts about his identity or his power. By contrast, on two points, the people do not understand that his power, Jesus' power, is for them. That his power is to set them free from the accuser's hold on them. To set them free from slavery to sin. To set them free from that which oppresses them, breaks them, discourages them. And when they... Those people who have come and seen this man for themselves in his right man, they also beg. It's interesting. We've had the demons beg. And now we have these people, and they are begging Jesus to leave, depart from us. And so Jesus does. Strange, strange, but even sadder. So we've had the demons beg. We've had the townspeople beg Jesus leave. And final note, we have the man who is kind of spotlighted here, who has been healed and set free. He also begs Jesus. And this is interesting. He begs Jesus, let me go with you. Let me be among your crew. Let me go with you wherever you go. Now, wouldn't you think that Jesus' answer would be, of course, let's go. Often we see Jesus inviting people, follow me, and sometimes people make excuses and they turn away. Here's a man who is ready and willing to go, but Jesus' plan is different for him. It's different. He's going to be a disciple, but not one who is with him every day living with him. Jesus has a better plan for this man's life as a witness. He tells the man to return to his home and tell anyone who will listen what God has done for you. And the man goes through the whole city doing that very thing. So, you're Simon Peter. You're, you're there. You're the rock. Did the, this demon-possessed man, when you roll up in your boat with uh, Jesus and the crew, when you first saw him, were you scared? Were you afraid of that man or those men? Was your guard up? Were you ready to run? Or had you seen enough of Jesus' command and control of demons that you were ready? Like, oh, here we go again. Another power move by Jesus. What is it like to hear the ugly sounds of demons who proclaim the truth that Jesus is the Son of the Most High God with power to torment them? What is it like to watch a demon shrink back, shirk back because of the power of Jesus? What is it like to hear as Jesus says the word, go? And to watch a herd of pigs rush down a steep bank into the lake. And to know the power of Jesus to whom demonic forces do whatever Jesus says. What's it like when Jesus gathers you, Simon Peter, and the other 11 around and says, All right, time for you all to go. I'm sending you out two by two. And I authorize you to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease. Drive out demons. Go. I've authorized you and empowered you. That's Matthew 10, by the way. 
What is it like when you drive out your first demons? Not by your power, but by the power of Jesus of Nazareth, authorized and empowered. What's it like when you come back to Jesus? Yes, you've seen healing miracles and you've preached, but you can't help but the thing that kind of just comes out of you is, hey, Lord, even the evil spirits, those demons submit to us in your name of all the things that impresses you the most. But hear me, Jesus reminds you in that moment that, yes, I have given you power and authority, but don't rejoice that the demons submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Boy, that happens sometimes. We see the power of God and we get swept up in that power. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. But do not forget the number one thing, the thing that matters most, your name is written in heaven. Jesus came to deliver you, to set you free from the accuser, from Satan. You are set free. Now, on the other hand, what's it like to be tormented by seven demons? To live in anguish whenever the demons make you miserable and try to drive you to destruction. That's Mary Magdalene before Jesus sets her free. Luke chapter 8, verse 2. We, we know so little about Mary Magdalene. We know that. And we know that she was the first to see the risen Jesus Christ. What was that like for her to experience such freedom? Seven demons. Listen, I'll close with this. You can take your doubts to Jesus. Some of this may have sounded crazy to you. Some of this just makes perfect sense to you. Some of you have witnessed these things. But take your doubts to Jesus. He'll help you through it. As he helped John the Baptist... Simon Peter, Thomas, and many others. Ironically, I want to point this out again, though, we have doubts and uncertainties. The demons do not. They know both Jesus' power. They know this is a war that they've lost. It's still raging on, but they know their days are numbered and they will be banished by Jesus to the abyss. This is a fight that you and I are in, but Jesus is in command. Now, I am a simple man, but Jesus was not confused about the power or existence of demons, but he was completely confident and in control in dealing with them. Seems crazy to me sometimes that he would entrust and authorize his believers to drive out demons, but that is what Jesus did and what he does. But don't get caught up in that power. It's real. But don't shift the focus to that power and authority and so misplace the spotlight of Jesus' saving power and love. Always, always keep number one. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. I'm Steve Teal. This is the Very Bold Radio and Podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of this in Facebook Live and on our podcast. God bless you. I pray that you know that power and that you know that your name is written in heaven. And because of that great hope, because he has set you free from sin, he has set you free from those things that oppress you and beat you down. He has set you free from the power of the accuser from his lies. I pray that you live in that freedom. I pray that you live in that great hope. And because of that great hope, Paul writes, we are very bold. Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal. 
bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. Steve at VeryBold.com